Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Danley, thank you all for coming back to the show, a uh, big win for the Indianapolis Colts today, or yesterday, uh, 36-7 over the New York Jets, this was a game that we kind of assumed that we were going to see. I don't think that anybody thought this final score was going to be this much of a blowout. I think that Colts fans are pretty pretty uh, reticent to like project, predict any sort of a blowout kind of like uh, win for the Colts because they just don't seem to do it very often. But the Colts were in, largely in control throughout the entire game without any real – I don't think there was any real anxiety throughout the game. At least there wasn't with myself watching it that the Colts could give this one away. They seemed to stay in control – continue to sustain drives, uh, didn't make any real big mistakes or anything like that throughout, and that's what you got to do to bad teams, and the Colts did it. It was great to see them um, improve to 2-1. and one. Now they're 2-0 and oh at home. That's good. The bad thing is they're going to be going on a couple of away trips here at the beginning or the next couple of weeks. So the Colts are going to have to win on the road, and they're going to have to do a couple more things still to kind of bring the entire – uh, situation uh, in all three phases back together. So uh, defense looks good. Still not allowing a ton of yards. I mean, they allow 260 today of total yardage to the Jets. That's three weeks in a row where they've really held their opponents down yardage quite a bit. Now that doesn't mean everything. Today there was three takeaways. You know, they had that aspect as well to go along with the lack of yardage. The Colts were making plays. They were limiting the run enough. You know, no big, big plays. They did rip off a couple 10- and 11-yard runs throughout the game, but nothing nothing dramatic, you know. Um, the Colts through the air still gave up some big plays, but in the end, you know, they're, they're, it just, there just wasn't enough of them uh, to really make a dent because the Colts would end up making a stop or forcing a turnover or something like that. So there were a lot of things that the Colts did to mitigate uh, some of the larger plays that they did give up throughout the day. But overall, I think you've got to be real happy with where the defense is at, even though we haven't really played anybody yet, right? I mean, you look at the the first three weeks, Jaguars, Vikings, and Jets, okay? Three teams that are not exactly killing it right now. Uh, although I, th- I do think Jacksonville is a little more dangerous than they appear to be at this moment. Nevertheless, the Colts right now haven't really played anybody. So looking at their schedule real quick, just to kind of see, I tell you guys, through the first seven weeks of the year, the Colts really have about as opportune uh, a schedule as you could ask for. I mean, they play the, they go to the Bears next Sunday, then they're then they're in Cleveland the following week, 
They host the Bengals, and then you've got two weeks here before they go to Detroit. That Those are all games, Bears, Browns, and Bengals, those are all games that the Colts really, truly should win. I mean, the Bears are not very good. They do have Foles now, who apparently brought them back uh, to win today. But the Browns aren't killing it. You know, I mean, they won as well today. But, you know, these are just winnable games, especially the way the Colts are dominating uh, the control factor of each game that they've played so far. But th- those are the real tests. You know what I mean? As they're coming up, these this Bears game, they're going to be seeing Foles. The good thing about that is Frank Reich knows a thing or two about Foles as well. So, uh, But the Browns and the Bengals, big opportunity to win a few games before they get into the meat of their schedule where they're really going to have to really fight and claw, I think, to get some victories. Um, you know, between the Ravens playing the Titans twice, the Packers squished in between there, and then you've got Texans, Raiders, uh, Texans, you know, Steelers. So the Colts really have to make all that they can possibly make of these next three games before they head into the second uh, half of their season post the bye week. So this is crucial. The Colts need to tighten up a few things. So we'll go through a couple more things there. Uh, But largely, you like what the Colts did today. Both sides of the ball, special teams still getting some pretty decent returns, still covering kicks really well. Uh, For the most part, you like that because that's field position is everything with this offense. We've seen that. They control the ball. They don't want you don't want them to have to go 80 yards all the time. And the Colts are doing pretty good about that, making their opponents field longer and shortening their own. So that's definitely a, a bit of a help. Um, but all in all, I mean, you look at the first kind of drive outside of the Xavier Rhodes pick six there on the Jets first possession. They come right back with a 14 play drive and that kind of, you know, end up tying the game up. That kind of made me worry that, you know, okay, well, Darnold might be clicking now. You know, that's one of those things where you do start seeing, okay, can the Colts come back and do something? They do. They go back down and they score again. That made me feel for completely relaxed from that point on, I think. Colts come back and strike. Rivers didn't look like he was pressing at all today. Everybody kind of looked like they were on the same page. The offense was very cohesive, you know, efficient throughout the day. Um, not a, a lot of huge runs, but they did end up having the Colts offense anyways. I think I counted six 20-plus yard plays and – or I'm sorry, six 15-yard plays or more, and I think five of those were 20 yards or more. And there was a bunch of 13, 14, and 12-year-old – 12 – uh, yard gains in there sprinkled in too. So the Colts, they were doing some good things with chunk yardage, getting, getting some big pieces at a time and allowing, you know, the rest of the things to take their, take their toll. Rivers was, uh, 10.3 yards per attempt today, 17 to 21 for 217 touchdown. You don't have to, he doesn't have to have 350 yards, only throwing the ball 21 times. This is what we want from Philip Rivers, right? To where he's not in a game where he feels stressed and he's pressing or anything like that, where he feels like he's got to make you know be the hero, so to speak. Get the running game at least efficient. Make some good throws. Protect him. The Colts are doing that, and he's reciprocating. You know, after that first game, he's looked pretty damn good under center, and you can tell that he's got control of that offense, the huddle, and everything. So that's nice to see. Colts rushing was a little bit better today, four point one yards per carry. Uh, they have the the two Brissett Neals in there, which don't really make a difference. You want to see the yards per carry a little bit higher than that. But to be perfectly honest with you, uh, you know, Naheem Hines kind of brought that down with only three, um, 
three yards per carry on his part, which was, what, seven carries for 21 yards or something like that. We got more big play from Mo Alley-Cox. Love to see that. Uh, big 45-yard gain. Really nice. Or I'm sorry, was it 56? Something like that. A couple of big big plays, you know, for him. So you like to see that from him to kind of make that an encore to his big coming out uh, the other day. Uh, I think it was uh, 45, might have been 46. I'm not sure. Anyways, um, you like him doing that because, you know, Jack Doyle didn't get a, a reception today. You didn't see him have to. Um, you didn't really see the tight end position become an issue. A lot of the playmakers were making the plays. You had a few plays, a few catches or whatever, a couple catches by Miley Cox, and there's your tight end usage. So I'm really impressed, actually, with how Frank Reich is not making the tight end group, which is very thin right now. He's not making it an issue within his offense. He's spreading the ball around so much. And you think about these other guys that are going to come back, Trey Burton, you know, what could he actually add to the offense there when you've got a guy who's now making moves in Mo Alley Cox? Maybe Trey Burton comes in and actually, you know, performs, produces, and it gives the Colts a bit of a, a more balanced weaponry when you've got Jack Doyle in there and you don't have to use him for the receiving end of it, or not as much, and you can kind of spread it out between there. You, we've seen, you know, the past couple of weeks, T.Y. Hilton hasn't been doing great, so to speak. Well, today he caught three balls, you know what I mean? And he looked good doing it. They were all real productive catches. You know, you don't have to target him every single time. The ball was spread out really well. Pascal, Pittman, you know, got involved. Uh, God, you know, Doris Fountain caught his first two passes in the NFL today too. So a very good – you'd like to see that. Only 21 passes, you can only spread it around so much, but he did spread it around as he was going through. Hines uh, was a much better receiver today than a runner with uh, only three yards per carry. I think he ended up catching four or five balls for 40 yards, or four, four, four catches for 40 yards. You like seeing that from him, effective. He's quick. You know, some days he's going to be better runner uh, than he was today, but today he wasn't much help in the running game. Pittman looks to be a guy who I think can grow with each game with this offense. Uh, he's effective. He's strong after the catch, not necessarily getting like huge chunks after the catch, but he's strong. You see him leaning forward. You see him taking hits, and he doesn't look brittle. You know, you like that. Like I mentioned, Fountain caught his first couple passes today. Nice to see that, even though he, you know, looked green out there, you know, a little bit. Leonard had 11 total tackles. Willis with eight. Uh, Walker and Buckner both had six apiece. Very, very impressive uh, kind of all-round performances defensively today. I, I just – I just like to see it. Like I said, there's going to be some tests coming up. The Colts are going to, and I really think that Foles is, is a hard sell for, or is a hard uh, bar, uh, guy to go up against for this Colts defense. He's Foles has no issues throwing into zone coverage. And I think that's going to be a, a test for the Colts. But as far as that goes, the Colts really are going to be tested here in the second half of the season. This defense is going to have to, that's where they're going to prove their metal. That's where they're really going to show it. Because right now, like I said, there's not a whole lot to gauge it off of. Uh, I don't think, but you want to, you know, I, I just think we can't say, oh, the Colts, just because they're first in a yardage allowed, start, start talking like the Colts are the best defense in the league. They're not. I don't care if they're first in all categories. That is not the best defense in the NFL and everybody knows it. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying we need to temper our expectations of this defense until they really have a test, which is going not going to be, um, you know, 
very often through the first half of the season for them. So we really want to kind of temper those. I think they're a good defense. I think they're possibly a top 10 defense overall when it's all said and done this year. Continue to make turnovers, uh, allow less yardage, force quarterbacks to kind of gamble and stuff. I think that's what you want. They don't want to throw underneath all the time. Certain games are going to be like they were in week one where you have a guy like Minshew who just is totally cool with throwing it underneath all game. And some of his guys are going to make, you know, some plays after the catch or the Colts are going to have, you know, a, a, a schematic bust or something like that to where they're going to get some points. Eventually that's going to happen. Overall though, you like what they're doing. Iberflus has got these guys rolling. They're getting pressure up front. Their linebackers are still sturdy and sure tacklers. The secondary is even stronger, I think, now because we're getting quality play out of guys like Rhodes and Carey and, you know, with Yusin on the shelf. This is something that the Colts really need, and I think the more playing time some of these guys get, the more we're actually going to be able to, you know, hopefully Yusin comes along and, and becomes a really good corner. Then you look at the Colts' secondary right now, and you see the youth, and you see uh, how much they're really – attacking you know what I mean and you like that out of that group that's exactly what they want from their secondary and to have a group that seems to be pretty cohesive with their game plan um, and their attacking style that it's making some noise so I think that's something that we should be excited about as well but uh, moving on uh, Kenny Moore and uh, J- uh, Justin Houston had the team's only sacks today uh, lots of pressure put on Darnold today I mean there was a lot of pressure and missed sack opportunities where the Colts were chasing him like crazy he just ended up doing a lot better and was <laughs> Darnold in terms of being solid and eluding pressure uh getting out of the pocket making a few plays you know he was running for his life we've seen quarterbacks have to do that that are wearing the horseshoe inside their helmet so you can imagine what <laughs> what Jets fans and what Darnold is feeling like right now uh he needs an offensive line and the Colts were exploiting it and it really was obvious to see. You know, Darnold made a few plays, but man, you can't do that all game. You're going to make mistakes. He made plenty. Um, but, you know, you like seeing the Colts get that kind of pressure on him. You saw Tyquan Lewis getting pressure, Buckner getting pressure. Not a ton of quarterback hits today, but you saw a lot of slapping at the ball. You saw a lot of guys right in there that were just so close to getting a sack or a strip sack and just didn't happen. Um, as I mentioned, Xavier Rhodes had a good day overall. Pick six, obviously, another interception in the end zone. Had a few other plays. You know, one, it looked like he got beat, but it wasn't. It was the one where Kenny Moore got picked at the line of scrimmage. I thought that was Xavier Rhodes at first because uh, he kind of ended up being in the picture before Kenny Moore did, I believe. But he did pretty well in coverage. You know, that one wasn't Xavier on Xavier Rhodes, obviously. But you, you see him, you know, on some overthrows. He's in coverage. He's in good you know, good spot. He's in, he's got the, his defender kind of locked down for the most part. You like seeing that from Xavier Rhodes. He was one that we've all talked about, wondered about after being totally awful last year and really not very good the year before that. What kind of flashes was Xavier Rhodes going to show? Is it going to be in comprehension of the defensive scheme, you know, and he's just going to get battered and abused by opposing quarterbacks? Or is he going to kind of step up and make some plays and be, a productive part of this dif- defense, especially a secondary that looks to be growing. So far, I have to say so good. He uh, he struggled in the first game, you know, had a couple of bad, you know, kind of errant ha- uh, plays last week. This week, he looked like he was right on, not just because of the picks, 
but for the most part, he looked like he was in pretty good shape. And I don't necessarily buy what we were uh, hearing on the broadcast about Xavier Rhodes being out of position and then sucking back. It's possible that he was, but at the same time, the safety, I think it was Willis at the time, he quite obviously was going after uh, the receiver on that, on Xavier Rhodes. So I think that was probably just a wide cover two. I think you see uh, the linebackers probably in the rewatch of that dropping in the middle of the field because the, the Jets were pretty spread out at that point. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of tight end action in that play I don't that I recall. So, either way, it was an opportunist play. He made it. Um, and the rest of the game, he did pretty well in coverage, it looked like. Blankenship missed a field goal. Bounced it off the uprights twice. One of them went in. It's worrisome for me. I don't think it's a major worry, but this can't happen. This is one of those things that just has to stop. You know, we were kind of worried about, I was kind of worried about this, the being with Blankenship. If he's, we need the field goal kicker to be as automatic as you can be. He can't be losing games. Like I said, today didn't matter. Last week, it didn't matter. Week one, it mattered. <laughs> I mean, and it's going to matter again when the Colts are in a close game uh, in these next few weeks or at the beginning, you know, of the second half of the season for the Colts. So it's going to be, you know, something that I'm going to have to watch. I just don't want to. I hate having issues with kickers. It just is so annoying. Uh, the team was bad, though, on third down again today, guys. Uh, three of ten. Colts can't do that. Okay. It, it kind of gets swept on the rug, kind of unnoticeable when you see the Colts making interceptions, um, when the other team is, you know, making some unforced errors. That third and 10 or three out of 10 on third down doesn't hurt as bad. It's going to hurt when you're playing a good team. That's another thing the Colts uh, need to hook up with. But they were much better in yards per play this week at 6.3. Penalties were down from last week as well. Mentioned that earlier. Four penalties for 40 yards total for the Colts. Colts were two of two in the red zone and basically 50 50 in the time of possession this week. You, there just wasn't, you know, a, a big deal or a big discrepancy between the two teams. So overall, you like what you see. Obviously, Phil Rivers throws for his 400th touchdown, gets over, I think, what was 100 and, or 600,000 yards or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Um, he's right there at the top guys. And this isn't a discussion for this podcast today, but it's one we're going to be talking about one way or another. And they've kind of mentioned it, you know, in broadcast, how do you, how do you define a guy who's going to be in the hall of fame? I, we talked about this as Philip Rivers being on the chargers, you know, forever, at least I have. And he, to me is absolutely a hall of fame quarterback. Um, you can't just be in the top five of touchdown passes and not to mention, Two guys that he came into the league with that I think, uh, so what, I think Roethlisberger's 32, I think he has 368 for his career so far, and Eli, I think, threw 330-something in his career. And those two guys, those three were the same draft class. He doesn't have the championship rings that either one of those two guys have. He's never really had, you know, before that, a couple times he had some good teams that he screwed up with, the the teams screwed up. Uh, on him, but ultimately, you know, Philip Rivers hasn't had a whole lot of shots at getting there. Uh, I just think as much as a Super Bowl win would solidify him, I don't think that it's something that you can just say, well, he doesn't have a ring. He's not in it. I think he's definitely 
Hall of Fame worthy. You look at all of his stats and what he's done, and uh, the fact that he can still improve on a lot of that stuff uh, in this year and maybe next year with the Colts. So um, it's just something to think about. We'll be talking about that in the coming, uh, you know, over this season maybe, definitely probably within the next season if he sticks around. Uh, this offseason is something that is going to happen because that many years in the league and being that productive, you know, you've uh, you think you've earned it. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll talk about uh, kind of the game as it unfolded as we come back after the break. Um, overall, though, guys, I mean, yes, the Colts haven't played like the best competition that's out there right now. These games are good, for, you know, good momentum builders, at least in terms of, you know, the team being confident in itself and feeling like they're playing good ball, especially once they start meeting some of these more difficult teams as the season progresses. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. Come back right after this was second half of the show. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, so let's run through kind of some of the plays that, uh, that kind of turned this game into what it was. First uh, first possession there for the Vikings, obviously, the Xavier Rhodes pick six. Good reaction on that. Didn't bite, you know, too hard. Drove forward, picked it off clean, made a great run after the catch. Puts the Colts up 7 to nothing early. The Colts were already getting some pressure on Darnold on this uh, first drive, um, obviously. And then, you know, Kenny Moore throughout that drive drew an offensive pass interference, which I thought was pretty, pretty – Kind of just BS call, honestly. I didn't see anything there, but Colts came out of that with seven points. And then the Jets come back and they run their heavy, you know, 14 play drive, end up uh, again through through getting pressure, which is good. 
Uh, and you can ex- only expect guys to cover for so long, regardless of if they're in the secondary or if they're a linebacker or whoever they are. You can't have them, you know, I mean, it's just so difficult to cover for eight seconds while a guy's escaping pressure. Anyways, Darnold gets himself out of the pocket, escape multiple sack attempts, uh, end up hitting Barrios with a uh, touchdown pass there, uh, end up tightening it up seven to seven. And then Rivers throws his 400th touchdown pass on the following uh, drive for the Colts, throws it to Mo Alley Cox. Colts are up 14 to seven with uh, 14 13 left to go in the first half. You just don't really get too worried about everything that the Jets started doing after this point. You did see some guy named Cager that nobody else knows was called up, I think they said, from the practice squad. He he gets a couple passes over the middle, this one for 19 yards on this drive. Ultimately, a screen pass to Balage or Balage. Uh, goes for eight yards and the Jets have to punt after they're way kicked back in like third and 18 before that. Uh, Blankenship ends up hitting a 42-yarder for the Colts on their next possession. Um, puts Colts up 17-7. to Looks like the Colts are definitely in the driver's seat here. Following drive, Berrios catches a pass for 28 yards. Hogan literally tripped <laughs> Kenny Moore on this play. Uh, the The referees and the umpires... Picked up the flag. I understand the one yard from the line of scrimmage, but it's a trip. I mean, a trip's a trip. Linemen trip each other all the time. It's a penalty no matter how you look at it. That wasn't a pick. It wasn't a block. It was a trip. That was my whole point in bitching about it. I was pretty pissed that they picked that flag up. Anyways, Rhodes picks up, picks off Darnold again. This time was in the end zone. Colts take control again. Uh, Rivers hit Hilton for 25 yards on this. Got his first, uh, got Fountain his first catch for a first down uh, in the league on this possession. Rivers end up overthrowing Doolin on third and six on an early crosser, forced the Colts to punt, something that we haven't seen them do very often. Um, Jets get the ball back with 217 to go in the second quarter. They end up getting forced to punt. Smart play clock, or smart clock recognition here for Reich. Perrine hits a decent run. The Colts call timeout. Okay, kind of puts the Jets uh, in the kind of puts the pressure on the Jets to make the most of these opportunities here. Well, they what do they do? They don't run the ball because they're trying to go down and score. You know they're going to try and pass. That's exactly what they did. Very intelligent move here from Frank Reich. And I don't know if a lot of people paid attention to it or what the what really goes into that, but he knows that the Jets have to go to the air to put some points on the board. So they're going to help with this. That's exactly what they do. They go incomplete to Herndon, incomplete deep towards Hogan. This was another play where Rhodes was in perfect coverage. Jets have to punt. Give the courts the Colts, excuse me, uh, 44 seconds to go. You think the Colts may come down and put another touchdown on the board and really seal up this first half? It looked like it could be 24 to seven without any hesitation. Rivers hits Fountain again for 12 yards. Rivers hits Hines for another first down. Gets the Colts into field goal air, uh, field goal position here. Blankenship banks it with 41, or from 41. Colts still go into halftime 17-7. to The Jets and Colts traded punts to begin the second half, and then the next possession, the Colts end up getting themselves another touchdown. Uh, get a pass out of the backfield to Hines from, for 12 yards. Rivers hit Helton for 17 on third down. It was a big pickup a little bit later. 
Taylor runs off a chunk for 11. Uh, then you get on fourth down, Taylor for a one-yard touchdown. Colts up 24-7. to Jets and the Colts again trade punts on their next two possessions. Uh, this is TJ Carey's pick six now. He gets it. Colts up 31-7. to This is kind of how – and this is what I mean. You, you, you had situations here where it looked like Darnold was going to be able to put drives together to at least challenge to put points on the board. And just seemed like every time he'd start going, or this offense started going, something went wrong. Colts stepped up and made a good play. Colts force, force man, my speech is terrible tonight. Sorry, guys. Um, Colts force the Jets to punt again on their following possession. Colts end up punting as well. This is after Brissett enters the game. And that's it. I mean, that is basically the game. Uh, Houston ended up getting a, a safety and a sack. Big for the Colts there. You like seeing that multiple safeties. You want it just makes you feel like the Colts have a very pressure front seven when you love that. You love seeing that. Uh Blankenship ended up hitting another from 41 to put the Colts up 36 to 7. Uh Wilkins had a 22-yard run on that drive. And the Colts hold on fourth down, uh, get some pressure on Darnold, another missed sack, but ultimately they force uh an incomplete pass. Colts kneel it out and take it 36-7. So I mean very efficient. <laughs> like I said, you get you get the contributions from all three phases of the Colts game in, in this, and you just have to be excited about that the way that that kind of has come together thus far. I don't think that anybody would say that they think that the Colts are the premier team in the league right now, but they're very controlled. They're very controlled, and that's something that I think teams that you know they're. The Colts aren't going out there throwing, putting the ball on the floor, which is really cool about Taylor. He didn't get quite the usage, obviously, today, and I'm glad for that because I don't think, like I told you guys last week, I don't think that's sustainable, 26 touches or whatever he had in week two. That's just not sustainable. I like that he didn't get that si that type of a workload today. And the Colts didn't necessarily need him to, so that's possibly why. However, it worked out good because Taylor – is a guy that the Colts are going to need, obviously, to stay healthy. Wilkins is doing good in relief. I like that they're getting him involved as well. Um, I think that it's just really positive for the Colts right now when you've got running backs who are capable of getting 10 to 12 uh, yards at any any little bit of daylight in the second level, and these guys can all do it. Wilkins is always falling forward, making himself small. He's powerful. You'd love to see that. Just in general, the Colts offense right now is kind of clicking and they don't seem even the slightest bit nervous um, when they're in some bad situations. Nice to see Rivers being able to control the offensive line, uh, the offense in general at the line of scrimmage. There, there's a lot of that going on and I don't think that we realize how Im impressive uh, it is. I remember when Andrew Luck would be there and you would see him pull somebody in and you'd think how smart it was that he saw something within that pressure package for the defense that he needed to do something to tighten up, you know, either his protection or to get a guy out into the flats quicker or to run at a specific uh, stunt or something that he saw was coming in the defensive line. So, and, and that's the kind of stuff that Rivers can do that's so underrated. He is excellent at that. He's been doing it for years and quite honestly, this is one of the biggest reasons, and we talked about this in the offseason uh, and even you know the beginning of this season and just before, 
This is exactly why it's a better move for the Colts, even if he has a couple YOLO throws in terms of uh, Phil Rivers with picks, it's still a better situation than it would be with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, in my opinion, doesn't get you 36-7 win today. He probably gets you, you know, a 24 or 27. And what's the difference in that? The difference in that is just the ability to go deep, the the willingness to go deep, and the fact that he controls the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that we saw that from Jacoby Brissett. I just don't uh, when he was, you know, in there last year. So I, I think that that is the part that people kind of fail to understand about how important it is with Philip Rivers controlling the Colts offense. Really happy with the way they're going. The Colts should be 3 and 0. They're 2 and 1. Uh next week like I said, I think that's going to be a bigger test than it should be cuz the Bears have sucked yet they're 3 and 0. Today they bring in Nick Foles and Foles did work. I mean he when he's come in and played when he was on the Chiefs. He played really well against the Colts. And that's it's different time, it's different coaching staff, it's different players. I understand all that. I'm just saying that he's very comfortable playing against this kind of a defense. He was very comfortable playing against zones. And that's something that the Colts are simply going to have to make sure that they do something to disrupt him. And they're going to have to continue to get pressure like they have. They're going to have to, you know, be better on third down and not give Nick Foles extra situations to where he can make a big deal. But Foles comes in not great in the uh, in the completion percentage today, but he comes in, throws for almost 200 yards, three touchdowns. When you're not going to get that from Trubisky, Foles is not scared to go downfield. That's going to be something that the Colts are going to have to do, keep the ball in front of them. They're going to have to be opportunistic on the back end. You love what Kari Willis is doing. You like seeing Blackman being a guy back there. You like seeing more than one guy around the ball when it's on the air and it's a deep ball, 50-50 ball, or it's a ball that can at least be defended. The Colts are being more aggressive. They're also, um, and I think they're intelligent aggression. I don't think that they're just guys flying through the air just begging to get a knuckle on the football. The Colts are doing what they do, and they're making good plays. That secondary is getting better. Hopefully Rocky Sin's back and can make an impact there. The linebacking core is obviously good. We're seeing consistent pressure from the guys up front. I really like the way that the Colts' defense looks right now. I really like the way the Colts' offense looks right now, and I think things can only get better. We just have to hope that everybody continues to stay healthy from here on out because the Colts are missing some people too, guys. I mean, you know, but they may be in a better situation now with some of those guys gone. And I'll I'll say that for, you know, Malik Hooker – Maybe this is what TJ Carey needed to get himself uh, more into the rotation, even when Rocky Sin is back. This allows the Colts' depth at, at the cornerback position to be that much better. Um, I think a lot of this stuff, with the wide receivers out, Pittman's going to get you know the thrown into the fire, so to speak, and he's doing well. He's not making huge plays, but he's being effective. He's consistent so far. You like to see that getting some of those you know, rookie jitters out. And Taylor's been a tough tough cat too. So you like what the Colts are doing right now on both sides of the ball. Ultimately, you just want to see Blankenship not screwed up because they're going to be close games coming down the road. Colts are notorious for one-score games, guys. 
Okay. So let's not act like, you know, oh, who cares? Colts blew these guys out, blow them out, you know, this and that and the other. It's important that he hits these field goals. It sucks that we ever have to talk about it, you know, and miss should be kind of like, well, that doesn't happen very often. So let's just push it under the rug. Blankenship still has to earn our trust, in my opinion. And I don't think he's got mine because I'm nervous when he goes up there. I really am. I hope that that stops soon because I'm, I don't like being nervous when kickers come into play. So anyways, Colts, Colts and bears next week, guys, big game. Colts can make a real statement, not just beating a three and O team, but beating Nick Foles, beating a, a solid defense in, uh, in terms, at least in talent in Chicago and, and the Colts, you know, hopefully they can have another game defensively like they have thus far. You want to control them, keep the rushing. Like I said, 260 yards guys, the Colts are allowing less than that, I believe, per game. That's insane. I mean, a 400-yard, 350-yard game is is not crazy for some solid offenses. The Colts aren't really having to put it up because they're controlling everything and they're turning the ball over and so on and so forth, but the Colts aren't allowing a lot. That's good. I'm, I'm excited to see it. This is, it's becoming more exciting. Even though this is a game, yes, the Colts should have won, damn it, they finally did it. Do you know what I mean? Last week, we the Colts played pretty well against uh, Minnesota, but you know Kirk Cousins is possible or is he has potential to make up some plays and to bring the Colts or bring the Vikings back in a heartbeat. Didn't really feel that way today. Colts were in dominating control of this game from start to finish. That's what you want. You want to see that. You want to see more of it, and you want it to see it continue in the same manner that it has to this point. Colts need to do this. And uh, really, if the Colts continue to be this, even with a few mistakes here or there, uh, you know, a long give up uh, touchdown-wise or something like that, overall, the Colts in general are in pretty good shape, I think. So uh, it's making this fun. This is a game the Colts should have won, but they had to put this kind of a performance on paper to really get all, all of us on the bus with them. So I'm excited, guys. Colts are 2-1 and one now. Going up against the Bears should be a game that the Colts should win, in my opinion. I just think that the Colts are a better team than the Bears. Um, but it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a close game. I think that's uh, a field goal to six points max. This is not going to be a blowout for the Colts. And if it is, you're going to have me hearing, hearing me real happy come next Sunday night. So uh, we'll talk more about it this week. Uh, I've had some terrible, terrible computer issues. I apologize for only being one show uh, the past couple of weeks, I've tried to do one Thursday night for Friday, and my computer is uh, completely on the fritz. So um, I think I'm getting a new computer, by the way. So that'll that'll fix at least what I'm dealing with. So thank you guys all for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you again later on this week. You'll have other shows from Stampede Radio and Afternoon Pancakes. Everything will be great. We'll talk more about this game coming up. Good win for the Colts on to Chicago. So we'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue.